Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by author of the Fright Stuff newsletter, Jessica Avery, to talk about eco-horrors. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I am so excited to have you on. I feel like we are like Twitter friends, so it is nice to like finally talk, like not really face-to-face, but like in a sense. Close enough. Yeah, it's great to, yes. It's great to finally off connect with people off Twitter. Yeah. Hope it's been making that difficult. A little bit. It's thrown it's thrown some wrench in some plans. So today we are talking about eco horror. So why did you pick this topic? There, I mean, obviously everybody has their their horror niches that they really sort of just either fall into or actively seek out. And an eco horror, I'm not really sure where that lands with me. I want to say it's more of the fall into category, but there's just something about creepy nature that really speaks to me as a form of horror, especially when it involves plants, which a lot of it does, um, as sort of this, this counter force against us. Um, obviously anybody who's been around my Twitter feed knows about my obsession with mushrooms, thanks to Mexican Gothic earlier this year. So that's like (laughs) a whole, that's definitely deepened the eco horror obsession, but I think it's just, I grew up with man versus nature stories and eco-horror is just like the most extreme form of that classic narrative of us versus the world around us. I agree. And I have been, I feel like very vocal on this podcast that I'm very much like a city girl. um, And I I don't think I would survive well. um, And I am wary, honestly, of nature. Like I I like to keep it at arm's length. (laughs) (laughs) see and I grew up I grew up in the woods um in Maine and so for me I think the reason I love eco horror and creepy nature so much is that nature is creepy um living next to a wood that goes on for miles that you know people disappear in randomly is just it gives you sort of an appreciation already that foundation for wow nature you scary and so (laughs) I think eco horror just kind of plays right into that people just disappear by you it doesn't happen like it's not like Stephen King levels of people disappearing um but you know sometimes it happens people step off a trail in the wrong direction in the woods up here and you know sometimes they find them and sometimes they don't so I think it just sort of gives you a foundational appreciation for and respect for what nature can do to people I agree I mean I didn't grow up like I mean I live in like western Pennsylvania now which is like very woodsy um but I grew up in southern California and like going to the beach and you know that's like one of the things you're told is like you need to respect you need to have a healthy fear and a healthy respect of the ocean (laughs) you know like going in (laughs) you can have fun but it is imperative to have just like a healthy amount of fear have you seen um just to tie back into our eco horror conversation have you seen uh, beach house I think it's called the movie with the Talk about eco-horror about the ocean. That is fantastic eco-horror. If anyone is looking for a must-watch after this, that's... Yes. Eco-horror so with gross. a lot of body horror. Like Oh, the body horror. <laughs> yes. When she steps on... Oh, my gosh. That thing on the beach. Just, ew. Every time. I literally have to watch it through my fingers. I was going to rewatch it for this episode. But, yeah, that is, like, a perfect eco-horror. Is Annihilation one of your picks? I know I did start Annihilation because I know you'd mentioned it um, and I hadn't had a chance to finish it because it just I got a bit I got a bit crazy. But from um, from what I've started, I'm about 67 pages in and I love it. It's just so weird. 
it's it's so weird and and I'm going to I'm going to say this and maybe I'll get some pushback from people but while I know the book isn't as far as I've gotten so far I know it's not explicitly queer horror it feels like queer horror and I can't figure out why but there's something about it that just feels really I don't know I love it <laughs> like with the with the women I don't know there's something yeah I don't know if that's what it is or if it's just something about the way the main character thinks or something but I remember reading and being like I get it. I get some some queer horror vibes from this. Yeah. So. So we love a fan theory. Uh, Have you seen the movie? I haven't yet. I don't. If I did, it was long enough ago that I don't remember. (laughs) I was gonna say in the movie, um, I would say like one of the bigger differences is that I think the characters are like a bit more fleshed out. Like the women have names, not just like job titles. Job titles. Yeah. That. (laughs) I'll have to check it out. I've been meaning to. Natalie Portman, right? Mm -hmm. It was really good. I liked it. I mean, it was. I mean, the, the book itself is weird. So me saying the movie is weird is not like a shocker. It's a weird I, I remember the trailer and the really like atonal music stuck with me, but. That's good. I mean, also probably Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Oh yeah. You know what? Good point. And you know, another one that I, I would, that I think of when I think of eco horror, even though I know that it's sort of a debate because it depends on whether you consider um, animal horror to be an extension of eco horror. Yeah. But obviously, um, I love Jurassic Park and I know it's right on the fringes. It's not the weird ego horror. It's more of like the animal attack ego horror. But when I read Tim Levin's Eden for the first time, that was the sort of like adventure meets horror threshold that I kept thinking of the whole time I was reading that book. Cause it's as much sort of action as it is when nature attacks. Uh, I don't, I think Jurassic Park fits too. I mean, like, Eco horror is a lot of like science fiction. Like it is very much like on those fringes, and it is very much like people messing with science and like it causing a disaster. <laughs> yes, yeah. And and as I was sort of looking into the genre ahead of this and sort of getting an idea for what other people consider eco horror, I think it has a lot of scope as a subgenre because you do get the really weird, sort of very climate change. Yeah. Stuff like The Happening or <laughs> trying to think there was no one I was thinking of earlier. But and then you also have some stuff that's more action based, like escaping the effects of scientific tampering or climate change or other weird nature. So it, it has a, it has a spectrum. And then you get the truly weird stuff like Aaliyah Whiteley's The Beauty. <laughs> I know. Well, two of mine are like I think the classification I saw for them were like technically eco thrillers, but they're like climate change adjacent like kind of the big things like the whole premise of the book like the big thing is happening because of after effects of climate change which to me is like more scary and the thing with me is I think I tend to go down this nihilistic rabbit hole with like climate change so I tend to like try not to do that and if people are on TikTok I do recommend following um the garbage queen um she's like a climate scientist who is like very much trying to put a positive note and be like here are the helpful changes you need to be focusing on going down these like negative rabbit holes everything is pointless like doesn't help anyone it doesn't like amount to any positive change so I find her account to be very helpful (laughs) if you like me tend to get stuck in those I'll have to check that out because that would be helpful I know it feels like it's very hard to sort of not panic slightly sometimes especially this year it seems everything is just Anytime I read horror that deals with the after effects of um, climate change, it, it just it hits so much more with so much more immediacy this year and, than it has in the past. 
This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Okay. Uh, well, I'll start off with my one of my eco-thrillers. That is, um, I think it's, yeah, it came out this year, in 2021 release, Good Neighbors by Sarah Langan. And I know people are probably thinking that this is a lot more of just like a domestic thriller. It's kind of just about suburban life, but hang on. So yes, it is. It is about this family that moves into this suburban neighborhood on Long Island on Maple Street. It's the Wild family, Wild with an E. Uh, The dad Arlo is like an ex-rock star and his wife Gertie is this ex-pageant queen. And she's having a hard time like making friends like with other adults on the block and like their kids are having a hard time fitting in um but she does make friends with kind of like the queen bee of the block ray schroeder um but then like one night at a get together they both have a little bit too much wine and share a little bit too much about their personal lives and then that kind of puts like a weird strain on their relationship which it is not great. Like, that's where we're starting out. But then, um, as that's already going on, there's a giant sinkhole <laughs> that appears in a local park, and Ray's daughter falls down into the sinkhole. Accusations are being thrown around, and, like, tensions rise, and it is, like, a very tense story with just, like, all this stuff. And I think people might get the reference that, like, the Maple Street reference to like the Twilight Zone, like the monsters on Maple Street. It is like one of those things where it is this thriller, but all this stuff in the background, it's like set, I think like 20 years in the future. And it's like, there are just like quiet things happening in the background that are like due to climate change. Like the summer is like extremely hot. And it is like one of those things where it's like, that is going to be the horror of our reality is like climate change is just going to be one of those things that's like, yeah, there's a new sinkhole. Like, that's what's going on. Yeah, it is, like, ridiculously hot. And just, like, the quiet consequences of that, (laughs) I guess, in the background of this. Um, But I would say this is a very good thriller. And actually, like, um, Grady Hendrix, like, mentioned this uh, when he came on the episode as, like, a book, like, he had enjoyed recently. And I think, like, the thing he liked about it was, like, the kids interacted really well with each other and like the kids had very realistic dialogue which I don't think was something that I necessarily picked up on but I'm like yeah I guess like looking back on it yeah sure (laughs) that was something that was done well uh but I think if you're looking for like a very good thriller with like a little bit of like climate change eco horror tinges of that in there and then it is like I said kind of twilight zone adjacent and Sarah Langan is a horror writer she is um 
she had written she was nominated for like bram stoker awards like i want to say like 10 years ago for audrey's door um and this gets a lot of celeste in comparisons which i'll say like i very much agree with this is very like if you like like everything i never told you i think you will like this book and i love everything i never told you (laughs) reading wise i am gonna say it is kind of room temperature i would say this is very much like a a thriller and you could say it has some like horror elements i really liked the way this was written and the way like the timelines are played with it was just i'd say very good that is good neighbors by sarah langan wow that sounds fantastic definitely have to add that to my list uh we want weird or do we want action um yeah i think i'm gonna go weird uh, so um yeah one of my reads uh for this for this recording was um Alea Whiteley's The Beauty, which is, uh, it actually starts off right in sort of the aftermath of a massive, I guess you'd call it a plague of sorts that only kills women in society. So it's left all of the men behind. Um, all of the women are, are dead and buried and the men are living in these enclaves. And in particular, the enclave that the book takes place in was already a sort of weird, like commune society out in the middle of nowhere that had already been really separated from the outside world and isolated. So so you never really know how much what's happening to them is actually happening um, in the world beyond the Valley of the Rocks. Um, But it starts with Nate, who is one of the young men in the group, who is their storyteller who recounts the tales of the past, the women that they've lost. And the inciting incident is the appearance of this strange yellow fungus. Um, And what you realize as Nate starts to sort of explain things in his sort of roundabout way is that it's actually the fungus that killed the women. The, the, The sickness that killed them was a, they basically started sprouting this yellow fungus out of their bodies and it killed them. And now it's growing out of their graves and it's taking on distinctly human form. Um, When I say this is weird, this is definitely probably the epitome of the weirdest ego horror I've had the pleasure to read yet. Um, You really can't get stranger than than walking mushroom women. Um, And the things that that Whiteley's doing with gender in this book are are just absolutely incredible. It's, um, I don't want to give too much away because I think the shock of it is really part of the appeal. Um, but it's, if you are someone who really appreciates the unexpected in a book, somebody taking something, um, as simple as a a plant that's already sort of inherently creepy and exploring its biological imperative through its, its sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for this. It's sort of, um, accelerated interactions with humankind. So mushrooms, fungi, obviously we know they communicate with other forms of life, but the way they choose to communicate with the men in the book is just, it's the way she writes, it's an expansion of their actual biological abilities just taken to a whole new weird level. It's really, it's really fantastic. I would absolutely recommend it. Um, I would definitely say brace for the unexpected. and I honestly, I'm trying to think of comparative titles. Um, I could give you more mushroom horror titles, but as far as books that that read like this, I, I can't think of a one. It was a really unique experience. <laughs> I wouldn't call it scary. I definitely wouldn't say it's a freezer book. Um, it's horrifying in a sort of subtle way. 
Like, you know, you're freaked out and it's strange, but you're not like startled. So I probably would say maybe on the counter next to the fridge, it's because it's not going to make you not want to turn off the lights at night, but you're going to be thinking about it like months later, it's going to just pop up in your head. So good luck getting, forgetting about it. That's all. (laughs) I agree. I, I was just telling you before we recorded this, I think about this book like all the time. (laughs) It is so weird and I think yeah the best thing you could do is just to hand it to someone and just not say anything just be like yeah, yeah just so check experience out. this because because I had to experience it I'm trying to find there was a um I thought I had it marked but maybe not one because there was a really interesting section where it's clear something about the way that they sort of that they communicate and the way that they um with the world and with the men that was really specific to the way that fungi reacted nature, but apparently I didn't, I didn't mark it, but yeah, this is definitely a book. You you don't want to give too much away because the value is all in that. I don't want to say it's all shock value because I feel like that diminishes it, but it's definitely the surprise of it and the unexpected nature. It's a short book. So it's not like we're asking you to go into this like 500 page. No, no, this is, this is a, yeah, well, and I didn't realize that it actually is is packaged with another text in the in the version that Titan published. So I thought it was a good deal longer. So I got to the end and I was like, hold on. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. You're right. Because I got mine from the library. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was. So you, so you get to the end there and you sort of, I mean, I would love to know what happened next. I would love to know <laughs> after all of that, what, uh, what they find outside, finally, outside the Valley of the Rocks. Because like I said, you always sort of have the question in the back of your head where this weird thing is happening to them there. Is it happening to them because of where they are? Or is this literally happening everywhere? I don't know. That is true. I, I guess I just kind of assumed it was happening everywhere. I think it probably was. That was my assumption. But yeah. they do. She does sort of have you weigh that question a few times. Yeah, because I mean, we're we're only following this like one community, so like who knows? Yes, yeah, this really, and that's I think part of what makes it work so well, but in such a strange way is it's already a really insular community with existing um, with an existing imbalance of power between the genders that so that that work that she does with gender in the in the story is sort of exacerbated by the existing inequality in the community ahead of time because it's a very sort of conservative um traditionalist commune before the mushrooms come that is true that is kind of like one of the big struggles yes (laughs) well my next pick is one i've definitely talked about before but i felt like i had to talk about it on this episode and that is the ruins by scott smith but now i'm like has it been long enough that I can talk about why it's eco horror? I would think. Yeah. yeah. It definitely is. It, it is. Um, so this is about a group of Americans on vacation that go off map to like go to some ruins. Like they, they meet up with a, a German tourist at the resort they're staying at. And he had, I think like a brother who was, um, with his girlfriend doing like some archaeological work in these ruins and he hadn't heard from them. So he enlists the help of these Americans that we're following and they all kind of like as a group go together and like find these ruins. And of course, this is a horror novel. So things do not 
go well for them. This story has just stayed with me forever. Now, I will say, like, I do tend to conflate the movie with the book. I They are very similar, but I've definitely watched the movie more recently than I have read the book. Um, so I know there's, like, character differences. Like, that is, like, one of the, the big differences is, like, the, there are certain traits and, like, plot points that are switched around, which was weird because Scott Smith wrote both of them like he wrote the screenplay for the movie and the book so those were all like specific choices he made which is like an interesting thing to think about anyway they they get themselves on these ruins and they are trapped and like um locals come and they essentially like tell them that they are not allowed to leave these ruins is essentially it one of them comes says like oh like we're quarantined like we are stuck here like they are making sure we do not leave and like we are that is, they're not going to let us leave. There's not, like, a waiting period. Like, we are not allowed to ever leave these ruins. <laughs> and as you read the story, uh, you find out why. There is an environmental thing. And, okay, if you don't want spoilers, hit that 15-second or, like, 30-second forward button. But this is a killer plant book. This is straight-up a killer plant book. And... Like, when I tell people that it is, I feel like they kind of get, like, the eye rolly. But, like, no. This is a freezer killer plant book. These are evil plants. Like, the things that these vines do and that they can, like, mimic, like, human voices and they, like, plot and, like, turn these people against each other. And, like, that is the horror, but also just, like, the survival horror on top of everything and, like, Oh, there's a scene where like one of them, Jeff, is a medical student and he like does this very like primitive surgery because like someone um, like breaks their back in like an early attempt, like very early on in the story. And that is something that has been seared into my mind forever. Just this whole scene. This is a freezer book for me. Like this is my worst nightmare. This is where I admit I haven't read the book yet. I've only seen the film. So as you're describing these scenes, I'm remembering like vividly <laughs> scenes from the film that I was not, I was like, I'll not even looking at my television screen, just listening because the sound was bad enough. So yes, I think I, I definitely do need to read the book, but if it's anything at all at the same level as the film, I can see why you would want to just shove that behind the frozen peas in the freezer that you haven't taken out in like a half a year. <laughs> It's been a few years, but I think the book is a bit darker. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's rough because the film is already just like, so the body horror is just, oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. It is just, I mean, I have mentioned before, I love survival horror. I love like the put people in a tense situation and like have them turn on each other as like things start escalating. And this is that, like, on steroids. This is, like, the height of the height of that for me. <laughs> it's funny. We went to go uh, visit some family friends in Mexico um, with my brother and sister-in-law. And he, like, took us to go look at some ruins. And I'm like, four Americans go into some ruins. Like, we've seen this. <laughs> my husband was like, oh, oh man. <laughs> it was like a touristy area. There was people, like, everywhere. <laughs> You side-eye your plants for a while after that. That's one of those books where you put it down and you start kind of watching your house plants. Because <laughs> you just, like, can I trust you anymore? I don't know. Start Googling, like, are there plants that can, like, mimic sound? Like, there has to be, like, some truth to that. Something. It's, in, it's, it's our future, creepy plants. 
So if if you like that survivalist bent mixed in with the eco horror, um, my next pick for this was which I've mentioned already, I think at least once is a Tim Levin's Eden is a fantastic action horror book where it's about this group of adventure runners who are planning their next run through um, an ecological preserve called Eden, because the book, um, going back to what we're talking about with climate change, the book takes place in the after effects of significant and severe climate change, where the the worldwide response to it was to come together to form an agency and to designate, I think there's 12 or 13 environmental protective zones that are meant to function like lungs to keep the planet alive. And they basically took all of the humans in these areas and moved them out and have, um, they have a actually an armed force that protects human, these areas from human incursion because they're meant to be, they call them um, virgin nature preserves. But as one of the characters points out, you can't, Right. It's either one of the characters or it may be one of the there's a little bit of mixed media at the start of the chapters, like blog bits of fictional blogs and things like that. And there was a quote I remember where somebody says, you can't you can't make something virginal. It's always going to be have trace effects of of human interference. So they're planning um, an adventure run across one of these forbidden zones where they're not supposed to be. So, of course, there's that already you're going somewhere where nobody's going to think to look for you because you're not supposed to be there. They're going in with almost no equipment to get themselves out, just what they need to survive over. And their, their goal is to try and make it out the other side of Eden. Um, and everybody else who's tried this in the past has not come out the other side. It is about the worst thing you could do for a vacation. I don't know. But, um, and so they get in there. And of course, they're, they're thinking they're going to be the first team across. It's going to be fine. And very quickly, obviously, things start to go very badly for them um, because they start to find out what happens to these zones that have been completely abandoned and nature has overtaken them and then sort of gone beyond its own bounds to create new life forms. And it's it's fantastic. If, if you are someone who likes to mix that significant eco-horror with um, action and, and sort of suspense and survival narratives, it's, it's absolutely um, a fantastic read. I was looking, it came out 20, 20, 20, I think. I have to actually, I had to look because it seems like I read it years ago, but really it just came out. Um, and it really is, uh, I would definitely recommend it for people who maybe want a little bit lighter horror and more of that action. Um, but you get some body horror. There's some good gore. There are some monsters worth encountering. I wouldn't, I, I I'd say fridge. I'd probably put this one in the fridge. There were definitely some times where, where I was creeped out by the imagery, um, which is both beautiful and horrific at times. I have not gotten around to that one, but it's been on my radar. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I've recommended it to a few different people. And I, I do try to make that. It seems like a silly comparison because there's no dinosaurs in this. But for some reason, every time I read it, my brain goes, oh, Jurassic Park vibes. And I don't know if it's just I don't know what it is about it, but it fits. So if you're someone who, uh, this would be my read alike for if you're a Jurassic Park fan looking for a book that you might like, this Eden would definitely be a good a good choice. That is funny. When I read um, Into the Drowning Deep, I'm like, this is kind of giving me Jurassic Park vibes. I don't know if it's like the scientists, like- Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the human error yeah. coming back to bite us in the butt. Human greed meets human error meets nature on the loose. Oh, yeah, or like- skeptical scientists that are like whatever like I need to see it for myself to believe it 
yes, there is a character in here that is the skeptical scientist. And that that's so funny you had mentioned that because she does all the way through. She's like, there has to be a, a biological reason for all this. There you go. Two read likes for Jurassic Park that are not in no way have anything to do with dinosaurs. So my final pick is The Moon of the Crusted Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wapshi Pig Rice. This was one that Rachel had recommended to me. I think it might have been on her best of 2020 or best of 2019. I don't remember when this came out. One of those. Anyway, the point is, Rachel recommended this book to me (laughs) and I read it because of her. Um, I am going to read the synopsis for this. So this is, with winter looming, a small northern Ashinabi community goes dark. Cut off, people become passive and confused. Panic builds as the food supply dwindles, while the band council and a pocket of community members struggle to maintain order, an unexpected visitor arrives, escaping the crumbling society to the south. Soon after, others follow. The community leadership loses its grip on power as the visitors manipulate the tired and hungry to take control of the reserve. Tensions rise, and as the months pass, so does the death toll due to sickness and despair. Frustrated by the building chaos, a group of young friends and families turn to the land. The Anishinaabe tradition in hopes of helping their family thrive again. Guided through the chaos by an unlikely leader named Evan Whitesky, they endeavor to restore order while grappling with a grave decision. So this is a lot like what we were talking about in The Ruins, like isolated survival horror. There is essentially like a big winter storm that comes out and knocks everything out. You are stuck with what you have. Supplies are growing limited. Like people are starting to turn on each other. And this is a First Nations community in Canada. They're having these tribal meetings. I'm very much like, you know, we need to share what resources we have. But, you know, like in these situations, like what does that mean? And like how much are we willing to like put our possible family safety for like the safety of the community and like all of these things and then there is that I'd say thing we explore like in the walking dead a lot where this community like kind of has something going on but then like an outsider comes in and like messes all that up and then you know they're isolated and it's this storm and like we kind of don't really even know like you were saying in the beauty like what's even happening like outside of this community it is just it is very tense. And I went into this, or like my thoughts on this were thinking that it was going to be a bit more literary. And it definitely was literary, but I was not expecting this to be as like thrilling and tense as it was. Like I was like stressing out in this situation. I'm like, what are they going to do? Supplies are getting low. <laughs> like, what are all these people going to do? What are, what are their plans? Oh my gosh. Like I was stressing out with them. So I really like this if you like you know if you're looking for something i know like in the winter people always ask for like give me some like snowy like isolated i'm like this this is definitely up there if you're looking for like some snowy like isolation horror this is up there um and that is moon of the crested snow by wapshigan grice oh i didn't say this is i would say it's not horror in the traditional sense there's not like a ton of gore it is just very tense. So I would say room temperature. Like this is very approachable. Like this could very easily be like a book club book. It's one of those books you give people to sort of get them into. Yeah. And you're like, how do you feel about this? Especially because it is like it's I see it shelved mostly as like science fiction, like dystopia, I think is where people tend to put this as like literary sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. 
it's one of those like hyphenate like can be a lot of things it's literary sci-fi horror like apocalyptic recommended for friends of uh or uh, oh what is the name of that amazon series the like sci-fi horror one that takes place in the in the arctic uh endurance i don't know I haven't... oh gosh so that i'm gonna see i'm gonna look it up it's gonna bother me like that <laughs> It's uh, it's a very similar vein, except that I think this one has like an active, an active supernatural element. I still uh, need to go back and watch the um, second season, but I remember there was a sort of um, creepy polar bear monster scenario in the first one that, (laughs) if somebody remembers what it is, for the love of God, tweet me because I, I can't remember what it's called now to save my life. But if you are someone who's read, what was it? Moon over, moon over the crusted snow. Is that what the title of the book was? Yeah, the moon, moon of the crusted snow. Yeah. So, and it's definitely what is a show that would appeal to to fans of that book. I'm gonna softly stretch the boundaries of eco horror a little bit to recommend this one. I'm mean, sort of get more into that gray area of horror that interacts with nature, but nature isn't necessarily the the enemy or the antagonist, but which I still think of when I think of eco horror, and that's um, Priya Sharma's collection, All the Fabulous Beasts, which is uh, published by Undertale Publications, um, and is it's an absolutely gorgeous book. It's one of my favorite collections of horror short fiction, and she has a lot of stories in here that interact with nature in various ways. Some more antagonistic, some more transformative. Um, there's a, a fantastic story about a sunflower that comes to life. And it's a story about this woman's grief over losing her husband and her resentment against the the child that she's left with when he's gone. And it's, it's really creepy, but really memorable. Um, scary sunflower man is definitely living. Was it the kids say rent free in my brain? <laughs> but the one that I, that I thought of right away and why I grabbed this volume when I realized we we're going to be talking about eco horror is there's a story called The Nature of the Bees. Um, and you want to talk about eco-horror, this, this is definitely, for this story alone, it's worth picking up the volume. It's about a young woman called Vivian who takes, I think on a vacation, she takes a cottage. I'm not sure if she's a permanent resident or if she's there on vacation. It's a cottage that butts right up against the wall of this sort of mysterious estate. And she ends up encountering the people who live on the estate who are famous for their honey. Um, the estate's honey was a secret kept by those who knew and didn't want to share medicinal and beautifying. It was sought by kings, media moguls, and entertainment divas. And But the people that live in the estate are weird. Um, and, and the more she gets into, the more she encounters them, the weirder it gets. Um, and I don't want to give it away because it, it it's fantastic, but it's definitely, if you are someone who finds bees both fascinating and, and alarmingly good horror fodder, uh, I would definitely check it out. But she also has um, stories in here about, you know, a woman who came from the sea whose husband sews himself a tail of fish skin so that he can join her in the water again. And two women who fall in love and become, I think, snakes to escape the abusive adults in their lives or something. I don't remember exactly how that one went, but it was just, I remember all of these stories have really deep, deeply seated nature elements and they're, it's a fantastic collection. So that's 
Priya Sharma's All the Fabulous Beasts. It's definitely a room temperature book. It's much more about that sort of, I don't want to say magical because that makes it sound more like fantasy and it's definitely still horror, but that sort of quality of nature, that dreamy kind of horror where it's strange but and a little alarming, but not like the literary version of a jump scare. It's much more sort of a seeping, creepy beauty to her work. Ooh. I have not picked this up. I have read like stories of hers like in horror anthologies and I've always enjoyed them. And I'm like, I've always been like, I need to pick up just like a collection by her. So I'll have to do it's a, And it's a great, it's a beautifully put together collection too. Um, if I can just give a tiny shout out here, I'm being a little, a little biased, but I love Undertow Publications books. They're, they're absolutely gorgeous. I'm someone who really loves the aesthetic value of physical book yeah. and theirs are just absolutely gorgeous. So I started reading a book for this episode and because my schedule was like so wild, I did not get to finish it, but I was reading it and I'm like, this is a book Jessica would like. (laughs) It is an anthology called Evil Roots, Killer Tales of the Botanical Gothic. I have heard of that one. Yeah, I'm writing it down so I don't forget to pick up the copy. (laughs) Yeah, and it has like stories like uh, by like Nathaniel Hawthorne and Arthur Conan Doyle. Like they're like, I'm like, yep, this is like right up Jessica's alley. (laughs) Yes, you can you can absolutely always win me with Nathaniel Hawthorne now ever since ever since the entirety of horror Twitter had to watch me lose my mind over Scarlet Letter earlier this year. (laughs) But yeah, I've heard really good things about that anthology. I was going to use it as one of my pegs, but my schedule has been a little wild, but it's okay. I still got to talk about some good bugs and I'm still mentioning it on this episode. So if someone is listening and is still interested in that, you can absolutely check it out. Yeah. And actually that, that book, that anthology is part of a series, isn't it? That that publisher has done. And there's, there's like, yeah, it's like British tales of the weird. I want to say every time they keep popping up and there's all different topics. So if you do read evil roots and you enjoy it, definitely check out, I don't know how many there are in the series now. It seems like there's gotta be at least a dozen and there's a whole different variety of themes. There's like sea horror and houses and yes, they're really sort of very niche almost little categories of fiction that they've they've collected stories for so i'm still gonna try to get you to read little women it's like i i know i mean i'm sorry i made you sad but i just i don't know i just couldn't do it but uh you know i love her blood and thunder stuff so yeah i mean i guess it makes sense i think it's one of those books maybe if you don't have the nostalgia for it because i reread it recently and it is very much like these vignettes of events and then like there is like this very like morality tale to like all of the like vignettes and it's like and that's when Amy learned that like lying is bad which I mean that's the form that she was going for that's why she wrote it because some publisher was like write me a book a moral book for young girls you'll make a ton of money and he was right yeah but uh I don't I didn't read it as a kid and maybe you're right maybe it's a nostalgia thing where if I'd read it then it would mean more to me now but trying to come into it as an adult I just couldn't I couldn't connect Meanwhile, you give me her gothic book about two people chasing each other in circles around Europe, one of whom may be the devil. And I'm like, cool, sign me up. See, and I still haven't read any of her like non little women, little men universe adjacent stories. So I need to do that. They are they are the epitome of 19th century pulp. And I, I just I love it. You have to go into it with the open mind that you are not not gonna be like this is ridiculous and makes no sense because that's kind of the point of that blood and thunder fiction 
is that, I mean, he, you know, she runs off and hides somewhere and he somehow finds her with the whole breadth of Europe between them with no explanation. And it just happens again. And it just, it's dramatic and excessive. And so it's everything I love. I mean, yeah, that's like a big part of like Joe's character is that she like writes these like very pulpy, like... (laughs) like horror like cloak and dagger type stories so that is funny but anyway i think we're (laughs) yeah off off the ego horror topic um still having fun though still having fun as you know something i like to ask all my guests is for a chilling obsession so what is something in horror that you've been enjoying recently oh jiminy uh that's a good question, actually. What did I just watch the other day that was fantastic? There's a little, I don't say little in a demeaning way, but little in a short way. It's like an hour and 19 minutes. There's a movie on Shutter right now. And I can't remember the title of it, which is bumming me out. I should have looked it up beforehand. Um, but it's about a young woman and her friend. Her friend invites her to go up to a cabin in the woods with her and her boyfriend for like a vacation weekend or something. They're coworkers. And the, the young woman who's the main character starts to suspect that her friend might be drinking her blood. <laughs> and it just gets weirder and weirder. And you don't know if it's in her head or um, if it's actually happening. And to be honest, I, one of the, I got to the end and I still am not entirely sure what I think was happening. Um, what is this? Yes. Yeah, I know. I, I, Boo on me for not remembering to look it up beforehand, but it's one of their Shutter originals, I think. Hmm. Um, but I think it's it's a short watch, but it's really it's again it's that isolation in the winter in the middle of nowhere, you know. With she's has she's has to start questioning whether or not her friend um, really did bring her there out of the goodness of her heart, or whether she did it for a snack. Oh, you know what? Um, bleed with me. I think it's, um, I think it's bleed with me. Bleed with me. Okay. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, It's called bleed with me. It's only about an hour and 19 minutes, um, but it's a really tense, really tense hour and 19 minutes where you, it's a very psychological, uh, open-ended sort of lets you make up your own mind, but super creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Highly recommend. Sounds like it. And another question I like to ask my guests is what their final girl song would be for our final girl Spotify playlist. Oh gosh, my final girl song. You know what? I think my final girl song would actually, I have, I have a final girl playlist. I do. I I have a workout playlist. I call my final girl mix because only monsters can get me to the gym. (laughs) Um, There was a song from the credits of freaky that is what inspired me to make this playlist in the first place and it is called oh phone why do you hate me today yeah it's by haiku hands and it's called suck my cherry and it's from the title credits of freaky which i actually was a really great flick yeah i had a ton of fun with it and that it's a really it's a really high paced song and it's really kind of like screw you in your face. So it's great for 5 a.m. gym workouts. <laughs> I love that. I'm trying to I don't know if I remember it from the movie, but I mean, 
I'll listen to it when I add it to the playlist. That sounds awesome. It's a, uh, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's explicit. So just fair warning for anybody who we're yeah, all adults. There's, there's a few explicit songs on the playlist. <laughs> right. I think they, we're all adults here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on with me and talking eco horror. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me at uh, Jay the Bookworm on Twitter. Um, and you can obviously, I would love to have people subscribe to the Fright Stuff. Get me in your inbox on Mondays. I try to keep it cool and fun and all the latest horror news. Um, I don't actively write pieces for Book Riot anymore, but if you're interested in stuff I've written in the past, you can also find all of my previous pieces right on the Book Riot site. Yeah, the Fright stuff is great. I definitely recommend signing up for it. Like, it's just a fun little horror newsletter to get in your inbox. All right, well, thank you again for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you. It's been fun. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us a lot of places, but you can just check the show notes. And honestly, everything you need to know is there. Um, as you can probably hear, I have a cold. I don't have much of a voice, so I'm not going to do a long sign off. I think everything you need to know, where to find Jessica, all the books we mentioned, how to support the show, all of that is in the show notes. As always, thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 